another episode of You Didn't Ask with Frankie and Tish. Hello, hello, hello. How was everyone's holiday? It was actually fantastic. How was yours? <laughs> Mine was great. I spent it with you. <laughs> we held hands and frolics in <laughs> the Easter grass. Hunted for Easter eggs and serial killers. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we actually did, people. We actually listened to you guys, so we know yeah. we're called You Didn't Ask, but you asked and we listened. And the one thing that we heard across the board was true crime. True crime. Very true crime. You guys want all the juicy bits What's the another blood splatters? What's another word for crime? Bad stuff. <laughs> Honest bad stuff. Illegalness. I don't know what. Is that a word? No. Illegalness. Real breaking the law. <laughs> I guess true crime does sound better, huh? Yeah. Better than real breaking the law. That sounds like a comedy show. Although Cops was kind of like a comedy show every I don't know yeah. where that came from. I'm so sorry. So yes, we listened. To, <laughs> Ew. <laughs> we listened to you. We listened. <laughs> To you screaming out to us, more true crime. Mm -hmm. So we thought, hey, what are we going to do? Who are we going to talk about? Like, there's so many, unfortunately, stories to choose from. Yeah. And like, what direction was like, took the most time to really settle into something. But we were like on vacation mode and we were thinking we want, there's so many things we want to do. And so it literally just fell into our lap. It's just like some, I don't know. It was like a trifecta of things that just kind of aligned and said, this is the direction you're going to go. Yeah, it was actually really weird. So we, a lot, I'll just tell this story really quick. So a long time ago, um, we were like, oh, we're so stressed out. We need a vacation. Let's mm -hmm. plan a vacation. Let's go somewhere during spring break because everyone's off, you know, whatever. So we're like, where are we going to go? <laughs> and we just picked this a random place yeah and it happened this location has an opening that we can go into let's go here so for our vacation but then as time goes by and we're getting closer to the vacation we're like we can't vacation we gotta work mm -hmm. we got stuff we gotta do for the podcast like we can't take vacation well let's turn this into a work trip so we were like, what's all the cool stuff that's on the way that we could stop at and see and maybe ghost hunt or do whatever? Yeah, we were just looking for creepy stuff. Right. And I'm not going to tell you guys. I'm not giving it away. It's going to have to unfold naturally. But my point is, so all of this started to just fall together. All the plate pieces started to fall together. We were now on an awesome work trip. And when you do something that you love work is fun. Mm -hmm. So we went to tons of places, made tons of connections, and we can't wait for that all to unfold to you, which some of you, I'm sure you will figure out when we tell you who our true crime topic is. Mm -hmm. This one's actually pretty bad. Yeah. Um. So bear with us. Yeah. We'll but just hold on to every single moment and sentence. Jump in. Because there's no better way to start than just start, right? Yeah, it's kind of one of those things you got to just close your eyes and then brace for it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let it I got to like <laughs> take some deep breaths and zen and then just dive in. Um, Yeah, <laughs> that's what I sounded like hitting the water. How kind of you. <laughs> that was the sweetest splash I've never heard when I jumped into a body of water. <laughs> Anyhow... 
Hold on whilst I take a sip of my, I'm not telling you. (laughs) (laughs) They're not paying me. Anyhow. So we landed on Daniel rolling. Hold for applause. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of just like everything happened naturally, figured it all out. We're like, we're going to do our our true crime episode on this guy. So if you guys don't know who Daniel Rowling is, he was known um, in the 90s for a two or three day weekend killing spree Mm -hmm. uh, of college women and in Gainesville, Florida. And they called him the Gainesville Ripper. Yep. They coined him affectionately that. Yes, indeed they did. So I don't even. He's a great, I guess, like starter serial killer to research because of the details. Um, and how the different ways that you can actually go with this case. Because yes. like some things are like really cut and dry. Mm-hmm. You're like, boy, he's crazy. And he's guilty. And that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. this one, you're like. He's crazy, mm-hmm. and he's guilty, mm-hmm. but he rationalizes things in a way that makes you almost second guess. Not second guess. Well, but- let, let's 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 pause there actually yeah. and rewind. Let's not go forward with that yet. Let's go backward. Let's talk you about little backward. Danny. <laughs> about back in time. Back in time to nineteen fifty four, and I don't remember where he was born. Somewhere, somewhere in the United States. I, actually, I'm going to look it up really quick right now because I, I could probably find it pretty quickly. Hold on. He was born to a loving couple. He was <laughs> born. He was born in oh, no. Shreveport, Louisiana. I think he was born in Louisiana somewhere. May 26th. Because May 26th, 1954. Oh, yeah. That's all he's ever been to. Louisiana and... Well, that was enough. Anyhow, so back in 1954, little Danny was born. And he was born to a father who was... A policeman. I mean, more than that, he was in the police force. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what kind of title he held. Yeah. uh, Unclear as far as information. We looked at specifically what, you know, dad's ranking and stuff was. But well known in the small town. Right. Very well known. um, James Rowling. And everyone knew who he was. And he was a very strict, you know, sort of militant type of dad mm-hmm. which i mean most of us could probably identify with to begin i don't with. even know was he in the military before he just kind of had that like kind of very personality and it didn't pan out well for mom and danny um because he was just not n- not only mentally abusive and you know emotionally physically abusive but he absolutely tortured danny mm-hmm. and he raped his wife and he just took what he wanted when he wanted, and it was his way always. His wife was very, like, meek and... Yeah, timid. Timid, yeah, and homely. But she was also Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. So, t- deeply, yes. Deeply say, religious. Yes. Um, very, um, from my experience of being at a Pentecostal church with people who are Pentecostal, very lively, very into their religion. Maybe uh, from my point of view, uh, to a fault, um, was really into it. But you also probably all know what Pentecostal is, even mm-hmm. if you don't think you know, because you've heard about the religion that brings like the snakes and the speaking in tongues and people mm-hmm. like having fits and stuff. Um, that's what Pentecostal is. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's not all it is, but I'm just saying that. Yeah, but like the whole thing of being like like possessed by the Holy Ghost type, like takes it into like a whole form, right? right. So like there's that there's the belief, and this is gonna play into something later. This little right. bit of foreshadowing of yes. later events. Foreshadowing. I'm winking. Um. So anyway, yeah, he he grew up in this house. He's horribly you know, abused and tortured, locked up into a room, tied up, like all this horrific stuff. Mm -hmm. And everything had to go dad's way. And I want to say there was a point where maybe like neighbor or a neighbor saw or someone saw and tried to be like, hey, you know, this this policeman, he's super abusive. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, that's James Rowling. Like, you know, basically that's our homie. He's good. Like weren't, you know, that's didn't even trip off of it. They so, didn't believe it. It was like... Yeah, so, like, like the family just kind of has to put up with the behavior from dad. They don't have any... Like, moms tried to leave dad several times, too, and I reported that, and even it had gone to the hospital, like, right. begging them to take her in, and everyone just kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, go back home right, to your husband. Right, who, that's James. Like, mm-hmm. he's a good guy kind of mm-hmm. thing. We know who he is, which is so sad on so many levels. This is the life that they're living. And and there was points where, you know, dad, James, would get angry with mom and she wouldn't want to do what he was asking or whatever. And he would threaten her by saying, now, remember, I lived where I saw my grandfather saw my grandmother's head off in front of me. A threat, like, do what I do, do what I tell you to do, because this is where I come from. That's terrible. And and that just goes to show, like, where James came from, you know, growing up in a house where he witnessed that. Yeah, a violence beginning for dad. And right. then dad, like, perpetuates that with son with and With his wife. behavior, yes, and yes. And then he's on the side of, like, having this authoritative position where he's, like, a police officer and knowing, having that, what do you call it, like, no consequences for his actions. He's protected. Right. Totally. Like, he thinks that basically he is the law (laughs) like he doesn't have anything to fear he Mm -hmm. is the law you know Mm -hmm. like he doesn't have to do whatever he's just gonna get away with it unfortunately i know not everyone has that mentality but this is the mentality that he had right then you know as he grows and they're constantly dad and son have this turmoil and this like sadness at least that's what danny feels sadness and like he's not good enough like he never lives up to his dad's standard from a psychological standpoint, like he is in um, arrested development. So, like, totally as, as the trauma happens and that point of his life when he's young, um, neighbors report him as being very childlike and, ha- you know, being playing with the neighborhood kids. And, like, that's who he got along with. So, basically, too, if you don't know what arrested development is, it basically, when you have trauma, mm-hmm you stay at a mental state at the time of your trauma. Mm -hmm. Like you don't move forward, whatever it is mentally, emotionally, um, because of that event. Mm -hmm. So what, you know, that's what Tish is explaining is that he totally had this traumatic stuff happen to him when he was a kid. So it was like, he remained childlike. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, you said, what about neighbors? Well, the neighbors were saying like, he played with the neighborhood kids and like, Mm, he was like another one of the little children in the block. Uh, up until like uh, all of the, the stuff starts happening, um, so which he's a grown ass adult at that time yeah. too when stuff starts happening. So and they just man, accepted he just, him. Yeah, they just 
He was just like, but the, nobody liked him either, which was weird. Like he was, he was like, like the freak or the weirdo yeah, or like he was creepy weirdo. and yeah, he had like all these weird issues. Like no one could really pinpoint anything and no one could say like he did anything wrong or hurt anyone. It was just like this weird, creepy guy that can relate to the children, mm-hmm. you know, and that sounds creepy in it of itself anyway. But what starts happening as he becomes like a teenager and moving into adulthood is his behavior starts taking a very inappropriate um, path. Yes, And it maybe does. because dad was a police officer, a lot of this stuff was being covered up or swept on the rug. Or maybe he, he was doing it in just in complete retaliation of dad. And Could be. Then dad was having to use, like you said, his power to sweep it under. But, um... He started off with voyeurism, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So he would just kind of watch women through their through their windows. Yeah, like, and, and think about that. You're in your room and just having somebody in your window watching you. Like, you always fear that. Like, at nighttime, you're like, what well, if someone's in my window, like, watching me? It turns out there is. And right. Then he's That's watching creepy. women, like, probably, like, in their most intimate or, you know, uh, vulnerable, vulnerable. states. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting caught for that. So then now he has, like, this record that's starting to accumulate. But it doesn't stop him. It doesn't mm-hmm. scare him. It doesn't... Nope. I mean, he it doesn't alter his path in any way because now he's like, now I've looked in there, so why not take the next step, you know? And he's so, already seen, like, you know, what dad could do and get away with, so, like, he maybe... I mean, we're making that assumption about yeah. dad. We don't know, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's pretty damn close mm-hmm. to being accurate. Um, dad probably could get him off. So when that thrill of voyeurism ends, he starts actually entering spaces as he's watching people into their home. He's breaking into their homes and just walking around. Right, sitting in their chairs or on their couches and just like chilling in the space. Pretending to be them, like, or, or being in their or life. Or imagining, yeah, what it would be like to live in their life. So creepy. And he would do this mask, too. Uh, like, he went in with, like, a ski mask or something on, some kind of mask. We all know just, how, what happens when you start wearing a ski mask, like, you know, 24-7. <laughs> I know, that's not you good. You basically committed to a life of crime. That is all bad. <laughs> But and then, to moist nostrils. Because uh, you breathe up and... Never mind. Yeah, his blood pressure <laughs> should have been really high back then. That was probably tainted some of his thought processes. Right? Had he just gone to the doctor and got some blood pressure medications. <laughs> Everything could have been okay. But he, he starts escalating it even more. And he starts going through people's stuff and stealing Stealing things. things. And his Bing. relationship with his dad is like getting more and more like... Intense. Intense to the point where now there's different stories on this. He says that his dad unloaded six rounds and missed every shot. And that Daniel just turned around, walked outside, went to where his gun was, grabbed it, came back into the house, shot dad in the head, and shot dad in the stomach and left him for dead. So this is somebody who had been like, you know, going hunting and stuff with his dad who knew how to use a weapon like that, knew how to hunt, has already been like scoping things out and hunting on his own in a different type of way, even to the point where he's actually breaking in when people are sleeping and watching them. And then dad shoots at this guy for whatever reason. We don't know. could have been like, you know, he just made a weird like face or something. And now he has shot dad and leaves him for dead and it's not even really so even assumed yeah assumed that he murdered his father and right. was just like it, it wasn't an accident is basically what i'm trying to say what happened with that i know that dad didn't end up dying he lost an eye 
Right. But maybe because dad, he didn't get in trouble for this. There's no indication that, at least from our research, that he got uh, arrested I don't know. for that. I didn't see it. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. If you guys can find it. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what happened if how that was tied in or whatever. But anyways, this all happens in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He moves from Louisiana to Florida in about 1990. He got in trouble for identity theft. And he was running from mm-hmm. that because of the stolen items that he had taken. It wasn't because he was about to get arrested for attempted murder. Right. And uh, what other, other crimes he's committing is all because the authorities were on him as far as identity theft. Right. We're coming after him. He can't, he picks up and he moves. He takes off and he goes to Florida. Mm-hmm. Yes. And ends up in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he knows there or if anybody at all. I don't think so. He like moves to Gainesville. I don't even know what span of time he lived there, but he now... Like, you know, we said he went from voyeurism to uh, breaking and entering to robbery to identity theft to believing he murdered his father. Mm -hmm. Now he's being even more creepy, if you can imagine being more creepy than that. It was University University of of Florida. Okay, yeah. It was University of Florida. And he starts stalking women and watching them. Mm-hmm. And he was camping outside, like, in this... Bio, almost. Yeah, almost, because it was a dangerous area. Like, it was kind of marshy. That, like, you could get attacked by alligators or whatever else is in there, snakes and stuff. Yeah, and if you've ever been to Florida, like, I've, I've been in, like, the, the environment has a lot of, like, wetlands where you can... Like, it, it it's, the trees are different than what we're expecting. So, like, in this area, you're around wildlife. And maybe he thought he had become part of it. Yeah, he does seem like he was very, like he was an animal. Mm -hmm. The way, oh, it's just so disgusting and disturbing. So he's camping out in this area. He's watching women walk to their apartments from campus or vice versa, all this stuff. And he decides he's going to get brave. So now this is like August, right? Mm -hmm. In 1990, Mm -hmm. where he goes on a two or three I think it's a three-day killing spree. A three-day killing spree over this weekend in August. And ends up killing a total of five people in three days. Mm -hmm. Well, it starts off on the 24th of August, where he breaks into an apartment of a girl who's 17 years old. So, you know, brand new uh, college student, probably wide-eyed, like, getting, you know, yeah. not, you know, maybe the first time away from home. Again, I'm speculating that. And right. she has an apartment by herself. And he breaks in. He basically uh, overpowers her. Um, her name was Sonia Larson and Christina Powell. It was two. So it was two girls that were living in the apartment. And both of them being uh, very petite women. So, like, he was going for... And they were both freshmen, incoming freshmen, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. So, he goes for the girls that he feels like he can overtake, and he he was able to. So, he taped their mouths. uh, He bound their wrists. And going into more detail, like, he basically raped them, um, turned them over, and stabbed them. and, And positioned their bodies to be found that way. He positioned their bodies in, like, like... Very provocative positions, yeah. yeah. So that was the first two ladies. And then the next day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the second day. Um, he had followed a, a girl home, and he, he had decided to make her his um, next, next victim. victim. 
But arriving there, um, finding out that um, she was not home yet. And he actually breaks into her place, anticipating her to come in. And she wasn't there when he sat there and waited for her until 11 p.m. So he was determined to, you know, do whatever that was he was his, going to do. That was his his prey. Yeah. So and he, he was going to follow it through. That's creepy as all hell. He um, puts tape over her mouth and subdues her so that she can't scream out or that the neighbors can't hear this kind <sighs> of stuff. Does the same thing. Basically binds her wrists um, behind her back, led her to the bedroom. Rapes her, turns her over, and stabs her to death. Again, positions her. But when returning back to his campsite, he realizes his wallet's missing. missing. Yeah, so his wallet's missing. So he returns to the scene of the crime and realizes no one has discovered anything. So this That now- is some, like... <sighs> ballsy is not the right word. It's beyond that. Like, mm-hmm. that's some... Like, crazy shit. Like, I murdered someone, Mm -hmm. and I left my wallet, but, like, let me go back to the scene of the crime and retrieve it? Well, to me, that's, like, someone who's thinking rationally, not irrationally. But both. Like, he didn't want to get caught. He didn't want to get caught, so he wanted to retrieve the wallet so that no one would know it was him, but he was taking the hugest risk of rece- returning to the scene of the crime the very next day to retrieve what he thought he would lo- he had lost. It was a, so either it was way, same, it was like yeah. a bad position. And in there, like this is where he really goes into like dismembering her. So he goes in there. He, no one had had discovered her yet. He had a. Uh, he had basically done a Jack the Ripper job on her and decapitates her, um, positions her, so sorry, and has her head facing <sighs> her own body. So, I, I mean, to to make matters worse is what he spent his time doing later, going back doing that. At the same time, like, he even admits that uh, he wanted whoever discovered her to basically lose her shit. Right. He wanted to do, like, hurt somebody so bad from that. Because that's a very traumatic thing to walk into. Well, just loss anyway. But loss on that level. And then loss with intent to cause you pain. A complete stranger. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many levels of fucked up. I guess that's the point I'm trying to get to. Like, this guy is just so many levels of jacked. At this point, is it like, you know, the news has caught on to this. Um, it's going public that, like, two days in a row there's been murders happening. And people are disenrolling from school. People are not leaving anywhere by themselves. Um, people are being extra cautious because th- these murders are happening. Yeah, people are wanting to get the heck home. Mm-hmm. How creepy. You don't know how long of a, a murdering spree this is going to be, but you definitely know you don't want to be the next victim. Mm-hmm. And let's get as far away from this situation as you possibly fucking can. I mean, I, I probably would have done the same thing and been like, screw school. Yeah. there's people losing lives like now i'm going home Mm -hmm. so So he caused that whole huge hysteria yeah mass hysteria and what i find interesting too i'm not blaming the police officers at the time but they're not investigating the areas around like the 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 dorms and the living spaces and venturing out a little bit like because this is happening in the same area you know so they know it's the same person Mm mm-hmm and so, like, right now, that it's a waiting game. Oh, like, is this going to happen again? Or, like, to find who's doing this. Right. And the next day is when um, the next set of murders happen. So, again, he follows somebody home. 
and um, enters into their apartment space. And when he does that, he actually discovers that um, there's actually a male in this apartment who's asleep. And uh, he notices the female's upstairs and she's asleep. So he goes down to where the male is and he, uh, I guess, deduces that he needs to take him out first. Like he needs to protect himself and whatever he's going to do. So he he murders this guy. Manuel. Manny Taboda. Manuel. He's 23. So, you know, he's a... He's up there, and he probably w- could have easily defended himself, at least fought back um, pretty hard enough to, like, hurt him. But he was him. asleep. Mm-hmm. And while he's asleep, like, you know, he comes up and sneaks up into him and kills him. There was a little battle, but, you know, being from that position, he was at a, man, he was at a huge disadvantage to dealing with that. And then he makes his way upstairs to Tracy Pauls. I think what the saddest part is, is that Tracy Pauls actually hears the commotion that's happening downstairs as Manny's being murdered and makes the fatal mistake of running upstairs and barricading herself into her room. Oh, poor baby. So when doing that, eventually he breaks his way in. Again, he bounds her up and uh, rapes her, flips her over, stabs her. She dies. And um, he leaves um, Manny in that state. So he didn't even, you know, put him in any, any kind of position. This was very geared towards women. The women, yeah. He didn't really care about the guy. Mm-hmm. So with the exception of Manny, all the women that he were murdered were like um, a, a certain type. They're very petite um, women with um, light brown hair. I believe that was very similar to what his mother looked like. Maybe he resented her for not protecting him or something. It could be. It could be. He wanted her to feel maybe she let things happen and he blamed her. It's really hard to say. Yeah. So now, how how does the the three-day killing spree end? Doesn't he get caught for something else? There was other people who were, like, suspected of being involved in this, however. Yeah, I know that some other guy totally, like, almost got the whole blame mm-hmm. like it went all like a, a long way but then s- somehow something happened with danny and it makes me think that like because someone else was in the, in the limelight as far as like the suspects like he felt like he had dodged a bullet and like he was calming himself and committing the rest of his petty crimes and he had stopped doing these murders but he ends up getting arrested for something else so right. he's being held for but then something else. doesn't he confess to everything anyway? He's like, I'm the guy you're looking for. So what actually happens is this stuff goes national, right? It's on the news. They're investigating it. People are paying attention to that. And somebody whom he had known, his wife, who he told stuff, like he had been hanging out with Danny. And Danny had told Oh, not him, in Louisiana, you mean, right? Yes. So Back the, in Louisiana. A friend of Danny's at the time, who was, I guess, a, a friend briefly, he got too weird for them, but had told, Danny had told this man that um, he had a problem with wanting to stab people and telling his friend that. So his friend's like, uh, I don't know how to take that. And then tells his wife, this is what Danny just told me. And like, they don't make much of it, but they're really creeped out and they lose contact with him. So they're like, they defriended him essentially. Oh, he said he had a problem stabbing things, didn't he? Stabbing things. Not people specifically. So and, and news from that, they disassociate themselves. And, and also he moves to Florida like unexpectedly. Right. And all of a sudden when he moves to Florida, there's this 
killing spree that's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. So now they're like, well, what the heck? So they're the, the, the wife puts two and two together. Yeah. And she was just like, I don't know. She calls the cops or crime stoppers because they're trying to figure out who's responsible. Yeah, a little bit of background here now. Now that all this stuff is happening, the reason that the wife was able to tie two and two together was because right before he left to Florida, wherever he was living in Louisiana, similar murders had happened. Mm-hmm. He left, those murders stopped, he goes to Florida, and the murders start there. Mm-hmm. So that's how she was able to put two and two together. They knew about the murders in Louisiana, but did not put two and two together because they didn't have the that suspect. They actually had someone else. And um, so they didn't know that they could tie all of that until Homegirl called. So now... He's been arrested. They have him in custody. They bring up all this stuff. And, and this guy falls like a deck of cards. Blabs. He's like, well, you found me. Yep. I'm, I did the five here and the three in Louisiana. And then why wouldn't he? You know why? Because everything up into his entire life, he's never really had any consequences for. He has done horrendous things to begin with. And he hasn't gotten in trouble for it this whole time. So why not just brag now? I don't know what his reasons were, but but the funny thing is, well, not funny. So here's where it starts to, like, kind of branch out in all these different directions that we were talking about before. So now, I don't know how you guys are. You hear this story and you're like, okay, this guy's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. This guy is obviously criminal-minded, mentally ill, has a lot of fucking issues, right? Trauma. Um, yeah, all this stuff totally has mental issues and you're thinking he's got all this like crap going on. So he's crazy. However, you have to take into consideration too, the way that he was raised, the way his father was raised, Mm -hmm. possibly the way his grandfather was raised. We Mm -hmm. know how his great grandfather was raised and dissect it that way and say, okay, was this a learned behavior? Like, Danny had no other hope or option because this is the family that he grew up in Mm -hmm. and how it was passed on from generation to generation. And it's all they knew was each other because they kept their circles tight and small. So this is all learned behavior. He learned this from dad. He learned this from grandpa and so on. You know, is this just, this is because this is all he knew, Mm -hmm. which is an argument that people have, not specifically for this case, but in many cases. And then after that, You have to say, okay, no, this is mental health that's been passed down. So this is genetics. Mm -hmm. You know, like great grandpa was off his rocker and so on and so on. So it got passed on. But then (laughs) even further. Well, one, he also comes from a very religious background that also plays into a part. And earlier you said foreshadowing. So pay attention to this. And this is the... So now he comes from a very religious background where he feels that anytime he's doing wrong, that the devil made me do it. Like, I'm being influenced by evil, and therefore I can have a separation. He literally said he was possessed by a demon by the name of Gemini. Mm -hmm. So it's not just so much like the devil made me do it. It is. However, it's someone literally has to take me over and work me like a puppet so Mm -hmm. that he could completely disassociate himself with this, Mm -hmm. with his crimes. And I say that because I watched him, I watched 
something, a documentary or something where it shows him in court. And this is not exact. This is not an exact quote, but it was something like this where he basically says that he apologizes for what his hands have done. Mm-hmm. So not what he's done. It's like someone else is using me. This is not my choice to commit this crime. Someone else controlled me to do it. And I was like, and fuck you. Right. But and also take in consideration about the way he's described as being very childlike and like being at a mental capacity of a child. And also like all of these factors play into a recipe for disaster for sure. But it like in, in no way like trying to excuse or lessen what he did. But it also puts together like this horrible circumstances of how it happened. And that's sad. That's so devastating. Like, you think about him as a little child and you feel bad for him. But at the same time, as an adult, he's a grown-ass man. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's- is at the point where he cannot take responsibility for his actions. Mm-hmm. Because he's blaming, I, I mean... But he's also doing a lot of things that are not very childlike in the right, way that he Right, but they're feels. also like demonic. Yes. How he how he killed and how he did things. He like turned into an animal, like a demon. He literally. And if you ever, um, you know, Google him or watch interviews or documentary or anything, like he trips me out because he looks so like. Next door neighbor almost. Yeah, like that. But I mean, he's very like. Almost not remorseful because he doesn't believe he committed the crime, Mm -hmm. but he feels bad. But for me, for someone else that like, it's like the this fit look on his face. I can't describe it. He feels bad for the crime, but he's not remorseful because he didn't commit the crime. Like almost like he's responding to a movie that he watched. Ooh, sad. This is so sad. I'm so sorry that happened to you separate from me Mm -hmm. like that. I had nothing to do with that. This Mm -hmm. is like he's watching it now, still being that voyeur from the outside because he's being controlled by something else. So it even makes, like, me think uh, of deeper emotional, psychological, mental illness issues. Um, And then having people in his life who were very extreme and got away with everything that they did. And maybe mom also explaining to him, like, well, your dad's possessed by the devil right now or the green monster that's making him act out. So then he's, he's explaining in the exact same way. Well, I'm just being possessed by the devil right now you should have seen the pictures that he's drawn too i've seen a lot of his uh sketches and they're all like very demonic all demons and devils and like he was crying out for help for a long time Mm -hmm. or he was trying to let people know the things that he was like exposed right or maybe he wasn't crying out for help at all maybe he was doing what he enjoyed and it could be, too, like, maybe dad's reaction to him as a child had something to do with the fact that maybe he was already really off to begin with. And maybe dad didn't know how to deal with it. And dad responds in a very violent way, which, you know, basically puts the nail in the coffin. It's I'm like, again, like, I'm not trying to justify or give him. Any no, excuses. not at all. And and or give him. But what do you do? What does society do with somebody who does that? Like, that's a danger to everybody. 
to himself and he walks around him like a normal person that seems like you know that's what creeps me out too mm-hmm. is to think like we could be sitting in a room we're sitting here we're recording our podcast we can see out a window but not very much can someone else see us and are they watching in i'm not trying to sound paranoid but we realize like how easy it is to do and how vulnerable a position that you could be in because we were on vacation and we we just were looking out the window, like seeing what was around us, you mm-hmm. know, like what's here, what's there, that kind of thing, you know, enjoying the view. And a lady happened to be right outside the window yeah, because we had a view of the parking lot and she was putting stuff in her car and taking, taking stuff out of her car. And we were just talking. But as we're talking, we're noticing this lady. And then we, we then noticed, I like turn. <laughs> we noticed. And we, yeah, we look at I each turn other. Her and I'm like, dude. This is creepy. And I said, this woman who, like, we don't know and is minding her own business is doing things that she believes to be doing by herself. Mm-hmm. And we can see her and she can't see us. And so close the blinds. You know, obviously, we don't want to invade her privacy. But we start thinking and realizing, like, how, how creepy. Starts. Like, exactly. Like, we could be out somewhere by ourselves putting something in the trunk and someone's watching you. And and you really don't know. And you can't live your life in fear. But it's just creepy to think at any moment, anywhere. Every window. Every possibility. <laughs> yeah. Like, even just being outside and you think you're in a place that's, like, no one's there and someone could be watching you. Mm-hmm. That's why you need to have 360 degrees of awareness, guys. 360 Eyeballs degrees of awareness. Of your eyes. Right. You need to know what's coming, what's going, where you're going, where you came from, who's around, who's coming. Like, seriously, be aware of your surroundings. That's important. That's what I've learned today. Now, I'm done talking about Danny. And how this connects. <laughs> However, yes. Yeah, this is actually what connects. This story with our work trip. Mm-hmm. And how everything just falls into place and is related. I am not going to tell you. I thought I was going to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to let you tune in next week and figure out, unless you figured it out. Some people might have been able to make their ties and go, hmm. Or they know how to use the internet. They're like, on Google. (laughs) Oh, that's what they're going to talk about. Well, you're right. Are you satisfied now? You didn't allow us to give you the surprise. (laughs) How dare you? Anyway, this all ties in and you're going to have to stay tuned to figure out how we are connecting that from where we ended up and what else we have to tell you. Stay tuned next week or maybe the week after. I'm not telling. I'm not even going to tell you when I'm dropping it. (laughs) I'm just going to drop it like it's hot. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for coming back. I just wanted to tell everyone to please follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and especially YouTube. We're going to start downloading videos. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll get to see us in action. We're actually recording a little video now. If you go to YouTube, it might be there. It might not. Subscribe. But But you get to see all the stuff (laughs) up front that you can't see on TikTok and you won't hear on the podcast. Yeah. So go subscribe. Mm -hmm. Follow us.